what I say about this entrepreneurship journey is I have figured out how to make money from nothing. And so that is a skill that I would, would forever go back and do again. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I'm super excited uh, for this expert session with my good friend, Krista. Hi, Krista. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to dive in today with you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So for our listeners, she owns her own business. So we're going to talk about how she became an entrepreneur and all about her company, which is super interesting and something I had actually never heard of before I met you, but I'm obsessed with now. So... You never heard of it because we made it up and that tends to be (laughs) what we do. So for anyone listening who wants to, you know, make up their own industry, just go ahead and do it. No one's going to question. They're just going to be like, yeah, that's great. We, we honestly um, were struggling to define it and to define what we're doing. And when I say we, I'm talking about my husband. So he's my business and life partner. And we have two little kids together. And when we were trying to define what Owl and Key is, there was no industry or frame of reference that felt suitable. And so we finally just said, we're a lifestyle design company. And we called it that. And that was that. It makes so much sense when you say it, though, because I feel like life happens to a lot of people. And you see, especially you hear people when they get older, like, this isn't what I had planned. This is not how I thought my life would turn out. You hear, right? You hear that. And I... So this is all about the intentionality of like making sure you live the life that you want and and achieve what you desire, right? Yeah. It's all about not having that moment when you get to the end of the life and you're like, uh, similar to financials, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to get to the end of your life and feel like, oh, I don't have enough money to retire. You want to get to the end of your life and not have regrets. You want to be proud of the way you lived and say, I prioritize what's most important to me. I lived the life that I wanted to, that dash Mm -hmm. between the numbers on the gravestone, not to be morbid, but to really kind of get perspective. I I want that dash to be full of everything that I wanted in my life, not what other people told me I should want, not what society said is quote unquote successful, but what is successful to me inherently. And so we just say that intention is the antithesis of regret. And we are out there trying to help as many people kind of unlock that inner wisdom and bring that to the surface and then design their life around what matters most and just do more of what they love and less of what they don't. I mean, I love that. I just think too many people get on this treadmill, like after, you know, when you're younger, it's a little easier, but you get locked into this like treadmill of we rinse and repeat and there's no intentionality behind it. Yeah. You're just just stuck. Keep going. Yeah. You feel stuck or you feel like Mm -hmm. you don't have the confidence or the clarity to make decisions, to make changes. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we believe that having an intentional life is deeply rooted in self-awareness. So really understanding who you are, what you value most and what you actually want in life, which you and I have talked a lot about and really fully understanding that about yourself so that you can not get stuck in that treadmill. You can say mm-hmm. yes to the treadmills you want to get on and you can say, yeah. no, thank you. you, pick to it. The one that you yeah, I want this of. speed, this incline, <laughs> and this TV screen. I don't want that one. A hundred percent. And just having that clarity and confidence because you know yourself well enough to say yes to the things that fit for you and mm-hmm. no to the things that don't. So how did you come to this? Like, how do you end up owning a lifestyle, creating 
like an arena, right? Like, I mean, you created a, a word and a meaning, right? And a, and a sector of the service industry for yourself. Like how did, what was the path for you to get here? Oh my gosh, it's been a journey. It's truly been a journey. I started um, in, I'll go all the way back to high school. I just okay. said that when I was, I was always the high achiever, high performer, always doing my best to be on that treadmill and to mm-hmm. work really hard and to be successful at it. And I said, I just want to be able to write and talk when I get into my career. And so I thought, okay, well then I'll go into public relations. And so I just went down that path and kind of blindly poured myself into that path. And then I graduate college, I get into a PR career and I'm like, what is this? What, (laughs) this is what what I worked. This is what I worked my whole life for. This is, it doesn't, it did not compute in my head. Mm -hmm. The long hours the stressful situations for not stressful work. You know, it wasn't like we were trying to save lives. We were just trying to put, put media relations together. Right. right. It's not that it big. It shouldn't be, yeah, it shouldn't be too it's, stressful. Exactly. So okay. it didn't make sense to me. And so I then tried to change jobs and went to a digital agency startup, which was great because I learned a lot and I met my future husband there. So universally, I feel like I was meant to be meant there. To be there. Yes. But again, coming back to the same work hard, play hard mentality, just kind of killing myself, literally killing myself from a stress standpoint, health standpoint, relationship standpoint over a job at such a young age. And when I was looking to the future, all I could feel was if I stay in this job, I'm not going to make it to 60. And I am not definitely not making enough money right now to live that short of a life Life to actually experience life. Right. To, To sacrifice all of this. And I asked, this is, this is, I think going to be helpful. Um, A big part of the story was that at one point I was having this awareness and I sat down with our CEO at the time, who was also in his twenties, young, like doing the best that he could to, to manage this growing company. And I said, why are we doing this? Why are we killing ourselves over all of this work and putting in all these long hours? And he said, well, I don't know why you're doing it, but I'm doing it for money. And (laughs) I looked at that's what he said. That's what because, his why And you weren't was. like, it wasn't like a super high in paying. So like, it wouldn't make sense for you to be doing all of that because the money wasn't like, so it made sense for him. And it was just money, which is usually anybody's advice. Usually, especially with entrepreneurs is you can't just do it for the money. You have yeah. to do it for some other reason. But I feel like in a certain industry, especially when it comes to technology and you have startups and you're trying to get acquired and you're trying to be invested in, it really does come down to the money for most people. Even if they say, oh, I really care about whatever I'm building. It's just not true for a lot of industries. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm speaking out of line, but that's just my own experience. And so he said that. And I was, Barbara, I was only making $40,000 a year. So you're like, I'm not doing this for the money. (laughs) And I was managing their biggest accounts. And I said, I am not, I'm clearly not doing this for the money. Right. I'm, I'm not getting a payout at the end of this. So what it did for me was that gave me the pivotal freedom point to say, detach, detach from someone else's vision of what they're trying to do, because it is not in alignment. And if I don't understand my why, Mm -hmm. then what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What, why am I here in investing in this mission and what they're trying to do? If I'm not in alignment with that, I need to take care of me first mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm honoring my why and I'm taking care of my health and I'm taking care of my relationships and all these things that are really important to me that I've been letting go to the wayside because I thought we were all trying to do something here. 
but that's not actually the case. Yeah, that's not true. Right. So that was the first unlock that okay. allowed me to kind of step off the treadmill and say, oh, I see the gap here. Yeah. And so after a series of events, there were some moral decisions that were made, not even on the company side, but on the, on a, actually a client side at one point that okay. triggered me to just put in my two weeks notice. I had okay. gone, I had gotten to the point where I intuitively knew that I was done. And so I kind of cut the cord and jumped off the cliff and said, all right, I'm going to build my parachute as I go. And so I gave myself a 30 day sabbatical. I had no money, Barbara. Okay. I had no money, no savings. This is I not know. the way that I recommend it. For I was going to say, listening. all I say to people is like, before you jump, like have your emergency fund, like have it be profitable, have a couple of clients, like do it work nights and weekends. And so it's easier. I wish I knew you then <laughs> you would have told me, do not jump yet. Just hold on a little longer. Let's put a plan Just in save place. a little bit more. <laughs> yes. So I jumped, I cut the cord. I jumped. And I said, I'll just give myself 30 days to figure out what the, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And I big cast, which was great. It gave me a ton of pressure to Mm -hmm. figure out what I'm actually going to do. And I did, I built the foundations of our work that is today that we're doing today. Wow. And I had, so like the book that we have strategic planning for life, the foundations, the first three modules were all built during that 30 days. And I did use all of that to help me pick my trajectory, figure out how to start making money on my own, get clients. And basically what I decided at 27, which this continues to shock me and others at 27, I decided I'm going to be a life coach (laughs) and go down a route of giving people wisdom from a place of, I've only really had 27 years of life. Life. Of life coach you. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> incredible. So you, that your first entry into this succeeded. Like yeah. you, you didn't, cause a lot of people, which is fine. Like uh, usually the first venture, like my first venture did not succeed. Like mm, it's mm. V- very often that like you attempted and it's like, okay, well that didn't work quite the way I wanted to. So I'm going to regroup and try again. So that's, I mean, no. yeah, that's super no, impressive. No, no, no. That did not take the impressive part out. It was not, that's how, not, it was not that simple. It's, it was, it was so hard in that time because I got such flack and feedback. And it's funny that, um, you know, that we get to talk about it here on the future rich podcast, because the, the financial side of it wasn't returning as quickly as what everyone around me thought that it should. And so it started growing really like I started taking on a client and then I took on another individual client and then I took on a business client, but it was very like a small growth. So it wasn't to the financial perspective that I thought it should be, it wasn't growing as fast as I thought it should. I come from a tech startup. So there was this whole perspective. High growth. High growth. Growth, It should be return. You should be returning such a high amount at such an early stage. And so it's not true. Yeah. For traditional businesses, it doesn't work like that. Exactly. So for anyone listening, it was not smooth. It was up and down. It was trying all of these different things, trial and error. I was very much on my own. And I realized at that time, I didn't end up wanting to do it on my own. I wanted to be able to bring Phil in, but it was still a couple of years before we were going to be able to do that. And before he was like emotionally ready to do that. So the one thing I would have shifted is I would have always trusted, if I could go back and tell my younger self Mm -hmm. in that stage, be okay in the, the starting the and starting and the unknown and always trust your intuition, like stay tethered to that no matter what. 
even if everyone else is questioning your decisions, find the people who are going to guide you and give you good advice yep, but, and support you and support you. But, but the, the biggest, the worst mistake I made was listening to other people's perspectives and expectations of where I should mm-hmm. be instead of just tuning in and trusting. I know what I'm doing. I can figure this out. It's not going to be perfect right away. It shouldn't be perfect right away. No, no. And I mean, nothing is. Yeah. And I also do think that a lot of people have a lot of opinions about how to be an entrepreneur. And usually the strongest opinions are from the people who have never done it. Right. Is what I found. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And the, the expectations of what entrepreneurship is and all the stories out there, follow your passion and the money will come and the money will take care of itself. It's not true. You have to figure out how to, to feed yourself. Yeah, you need to, you need to eat to succeed. Yes. And you know what, in that perspective, what I say about this entrepreneurship journey is I have figured out how to make money from nothing. And so that is a skill that I would, would forever go back and do again. So no matter to have that skill, I would do it again because if, if I can figure that out and be able to create something from nothing and make money from that, then that means that no matter whatever trials and tribulations come in the future, I can always. handle that. And I want to be able to teach my kids that. And you can always take care of yourself. Like you have that superpower of being able to create revenue, which is really rare, right? To be able to create an entity, make it profitable on your own and create your own I don't know what you call it. Like, I would call it an asset class if I was in finance, but like, it's not an asset class. So I don't know what the word would be, but own avenue, right? Of coaching, mm-hmm. a very specific type of coaching that you create it. Uh, yeah, that's a really powerful tool. But yeah, there's a lot of feedback when you decide to go out and be an entrepreneur from everybody else. Because you're trained, I think we're trained, society trains us to take the safe, consistent path of least resistance that everyone else is on, right? Like to take the path that everyone else is walking, which is to go get a corporate job, stay in the corporate job for a set number of time, you know, set number of years. And then, you know, move every few years to get your pay raise and you just continue on this for 40 years, right? That's the, that's the norm. Mm -hmm. And so when you do something different, you get a lot of unsolicited feedback and advice, I think. It's so true. And I, I took the brunt of it because one thing that I'll say about Phil and I is that we never follow the, the paved path. We never follow what mm-hmm. we're supposed to follow. And I think it drives our parents absolutely bonkers. But now they're just used to it. Now they expect us to do something. We, we just say it's the dirt road ahead and the paved path behind that. we're. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We just are constantly open to the idea of we're always going to, we, we just, tend to err on the side of like, we're going to do something differently than what everyone Mm -hmm. else is doing just based on like what we actually want and be open to the creative solutions that will allow us to do those things. And then we kind of pave a road behind us, but we're always going to make some very different decisions. And I kind of took the lead on that early on at 27 and took all that lack and that feedback. But then once we started to kind of join up and do that together, then everyone around us got a little bit more comfortable with the way we were doing things, which is, you know, very helpful. Was it scary to go into business with your partner? I mean, that's like you're Uh working together, married, have kids. Like you don't see that that often. No, it was not scary at all. We met at work. And what we found was when I left the job and he was still there, our relationship wasn't as strong and as healthy when we weren't working together. We have this like incredible energy, especially when we're creating something like writing this book took a couple days. It just like, I could let the, all of the writing poured out of me. I just booked a hotel room, let it all pour out of me. And then he turns around and he takes all that structure and he designs it up. So for us wow. to create, it's just this like 
And it was always magic. like that. Yeah, it's magic. And it was like that even at the agency we were at. So getting into business together only made sense. And I had um, maybe intuitively, I had written it down two years before. I said, I will work with Phil, but I just wasn't sure how it was going to happen. happen. And what ultimately ended up coming to fruition was I got pregnant and he had this moment where he was at a client in Texas and he had been traveling all the time kind of running thin, you know, this was still a growing startup and they were, they were positioned to be acquired and that was the goal. And he was a partner. So he would net out when the acquisition happened, but he had this moment and we call it the Zach Morris moment, which is from saved by the bell for anyone (laughs) listening who doesn't remember that it's, it was a show on TV Mm -hmm. and the Zach Morris moment is where everything freezes except for him. And he had this moment at a client meeting where he realized, I don't want this future. I do not want to be an unpresent, like not present with my children. I don't want to be traveling all the time. I don't want to be working all the time, investing in the visions and the missions of all these other companies. And at the time, the people in the meeting just didn't even care about what he was presenting. And he had just spent his entire week mapping working it. Yeah. yeah, working this out and they didn't even care. And so he had this very clear vision of, I don't want this future. And he came home from that trip and said, I want to start working me out of the job. And so we spent the entire pregnancy using our strategic planning process (laughs) to help transition him out of that position. And we had to make some very big decisions. Are we going to walk away from potentially millions of dollars in equity? Right, equity positions. And equity positions and have our our new family, have a child, walk away from salary, health insurance, health insurance, insurance, Barbara, all the things. Yeah, all so, the things that are like give me anxiety. Yes. <laughs> if you again, I wish you would have been with us, but it's probably a good thing that you weren't because then it wouldn't have happened. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And we did not, we did not do it. Unlike my situation where I clip jumped, this was a very different situation. Inten- this was intentional. This was intentional. This was we had a budget that we had been working with since mm-hmm. we got married that we had, we have um, a way in which we tie our business and our, any type of revenue that's coming in um, with our, our top line, with our bottom line family. So we're seeing the flow through for every decision that we make, what's impacting us. And so we were just really looking at what are our projections, what's going to happen after this. So we had a plan Mm -hmm. for what was going to happen, how we were going to make money, and what we were going to do for ourselves after he left that position. But yeah, we were giving up a lot. Well, and that's why I do think on the podcast, we talk a lot about that. I don't think money is the end all be all and having more money doesn't solve all problems. Like you just can't always throw money at everything. Like if you have millions and millions of dollars, but you're completely miserable, it didn't really serve its purpose. Right. And so I do really still believe in, like I was making more money on Wall Street before I left. Like I left for a fraction, but but with the opportunity to have more control and to do work that was more impactful, like there's reasons, right? Where you maybe don't choose. And I actually still, advice I'd always been given is you shouldn't make life decisions just based on money. There should be a motivator for it, a reason because money in life, which unfortunately it doesn't happen to everybody, but you see often money comes and goes. It's not always... There's an ebb and a flow to it. And there'll be times where it flows a lot. There'll be times where it's completely dried up. And so I think if you make your decisions purely on money, not to say there's not times where that's appropriate, but generally speaking, that 
it doesn't always lead you down the best path for your life. It would not have led us down the best path for our life in this case. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I went into labor on November 28th and called Phil on November 29th and said, or no, on November 28th and said, okay, it's time for you to come home. And that was the last time that he was at that job. And that was then him becoming a father and starting a business all at the same time. Really? Wow. changes. It was big change. But uh, a couple of years later, the company got acquired. And so, you know, you see all the messages on LinkedIn of the acquisition mm-hmm. and, and how much it was. And we had this really wonderful moment where we got to connect. And I said, how do you feel when you look at what all your counterparts and other partners what right. they're out at? How does it make you feel? And he said, I would not give up the years of presence with our son for that m- amount of money Good any money. day. Right. Because of what he would have had to give up with his time. Right. right? He would have given up. There's tremendous always sacrifice. Amounts. Yes. Yep. And in There's that time, we figured out how to make money. We traveled the world. We were like super present and connected and defining this, this lifestyle foundation for ourselves. And we wouldn't have traded that in for anything. Right. Cause that's the thing. Money can't buy that, right? Like money, you know, on your, your deathbed, you're not going to be able to say like, Oh, that I want it more money, right? It's more experiences, more times with your friends and family, more impact on your world, right? So that makes total sense. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because these past few months I've been prioritizing my health as I've recovered from a nasty case of long haul COVID. I love that it takes the mental work out of getting my vitamins and supplements in because with just one scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, and probiotics. It's been super simple to incorporate into my morning routine because there's virtually no prep required and it tastes great. Plus, it's way cheaper than a fancy coffee habit. If you want to give it a try, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So what is your advice to people who are listening? I think the intentionality is super important. So if you were going to give our listeners... I mean, obviously you should check out your book and your coaching, but like if you were to give people like three pieces of advice of like ways they could be more intentional with planning their own lives, what would you say? Oh, around money or just in general? In general. Okay. Um, Well, I think the first piece is awareness and you and I have talked about this and awareness is not just about your personal self, right? You have to understand who you are, what you want, what you actually value in life. And you can just ask yourself those core key questions and that will give you a tremendous shift in the decisions that you make and the priorities that you put in place. Um, but awareness also equals your resources. We didn't do any of that as, as like fun and cool as it sounds to do a life like that and to prioritize our time. None of that came without awareness of all of our resources and awareness of our financial systems and awareness of where we were at any given moment to be able to make decisions So I think awareness being a huge piece of the puzzle at any given point, understanding your data points Mm -hmm. for your whole life, your holistic life, not just one part, not just your work, not just your money, not just your, your, your self-development, but literally all of it, um, I think is, is the first piece of the puzzle. And those can be very simple. It doesn't have to be this big, 
amount. It could just be like, who am I? How would I define who I am? How would I define what I value? How do I define what I actually want in life? What kind of resources do I have? Where do I want to go in life? Right. Mm -hmm. The second one I would say is, you know, we talk a lot about, it's really great to have awareness, but it's so important to actually implement all of these Oh, that's interesting. It's one thing to know about it, but then if you do nothing with the knowledge, it's not as impactful. Yeah. You can have a spreadsheet of data all day, but if you do not actually use that data to apply it to life and actually integrate it, then it's going nowhere. So yeah, that's really powerful. It's the implementation, right? And that's always the hardest part for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that piece is, it is the hardest part. And even in our work, because we go from awareness to integration and awareness feels for most people like, oh, we get to like do this deep dive and I get to learn all these things about myself. But as soon as we start to get clearer and clearer about how you put it into practice, it gets harder and harder, the more specific you get. And so that piece of integration, and and when I say that more specifically, I'll say your systems, your tools, mm-hmm. having, for instance, to, to bring it back to the, the, the conversation we're having today, but like having that budget and using it consistently and mm-hmm. having like, I'm going to look at it monthly and update it monthly. And I'm going to practice making this a part of my life for the things that are really important. Systemat- we talk about systems a lot, like systematize it into your life. If you have relationships that are most important to you, systematize them into your life. Be intentional about it. Set up yeah. a time where you get together with them frequently, right? Um, right. You have to prioritize those things. And, and sometimes the boring work, which is like implementing it, having a system is the part that people don't do. And it usually is the reason the systems and the boring part is usually aligned with the success, right? Yeah. Right. doing the hard, the hard work. I think we get so caught up in integration looks like doing these really big things in life, making a really big investment, mm-hmm. doing something really flashy, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. It is actually the boring little things that are almost insignificant when done consistently. We call it the Make new ROI, right? The return on intention mm-hmm. that it builds and builds and builds and actually makes that long-term difference that you truly want instead of, oh, well, I have all this awareness, but I've done nothing with it. So I still net it out in the exact same place. And exactly where I was before the awareness. Yes, 100%. Um, And the third piece I would say is you have to invest in yourself. You have to, there's a a core piece of our work that's called non-negotiables and and making sure these non-negotiables, we call them daily, but they can be monthly, they can be weekly. It doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. but it's those things that fill your cup, that give you energy, that fuel you so that when the time comes to make decisions or to operate in life, that you have the energy and the ability to make those decisions and to do what you need to do and making sure that your cup is full in all the areas, but being able to take care of yourself so that you can kind of show up in your best centered self at all times helps to make any life decision so much clearer and feel so much better. I was going to say, do you find when you're working with people that they don't know, like, are they able to identify their non-negotiables right off the bat? Or is it something that like takes a beat to like take a step back and be like, oh, I actually don't know what these are. I've you never been asked. We, we tend to start mentioning the non-negotiables at the beginning of the work. And okay. some people can say a couple of them, but we intentionally put it at the end of our work for that reason. Because okay. once they've really kind of examined themselves and then started to implement and seen some of their 
their tendencies. Mm-hmm. It's helpful to have all that awareness before they start defining what those non-negotiables should be. And those non-negotiables should also be connected to how do you want to spend your time? Who do yep. you want to be? What, what do you want to do with your life? If you want to be, if you want to write a book, then one of your non-negotiables might need to be, I'm going to write a little bit every day. Right. And that's yeah. Commit my the time, time to yeah. the goal. Yeah. To get me to where that little bit, right. You don't just wake yeah. up one day and write an entire book. It just, that doesn't, it does not happen. That right? does not happen. You have to be writing and it doesn't have to be, I'm writing the book. It just has to be, I'm in the practice of writing. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'm moving the needle little by little to little to yeah. get to the goal. Right. Cause yeah. you don't wake up and run a marathon, right? right. You, we run a mile, we run two miles. You, know, you have to like work to the, to the goal. Yeah. Just like if you want to have a great retirement account, you don't yes. just wake up one day and have the healthy no, retirement re- account. You, you don't come into my office at 57 and say in three years, I'd like to retire with $4 million. Like, no, we're not, I'm not a magician. Like I don't have a money tree. Like, right. yes, you have to do the small, I guess it's like the small, boring, like pieces is what people, I, so it sounds very similar. Like the same thing, it's totally aligned with money. Like you have to, to have the $4 million at 60, we go back to when you're 25 and we're putting a hundred dollars away. Right. And we're increasing it. And, and yeah, the intentionality and doing the hard little boring pieces. Right. Because what if someone says at the end of life, I want to have a really healthy relationship with my kids and my grandkids. Right. Cool. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. What are you investing now? What are you investing at 30? What are you investing in them at 40? And if that, it doesn't, if, if you're investing even 10 quality minutes in those relationships mm-hmm. at their young ages, that's going to build up and compound over time to get you to that point where you have those really healthy relationships. But if you ignore them and mm-hmm. you shuttle them off and you don't spend time with them because everything else in life is a priority except for that time, then you can't get to the end of life and be like, oh, I, I have a strong relationship. Relationships. Yeah. Right. And I don't, and I'm wondering why, you know, that's so interesting that I think for me, that's always happened unintentionally that family has just always been, I was grow, I was brought up that family is important. Family comes first. Family's always there for you. It's always been very ingrained that family, 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 like you, you don't fight with your sister. You always resolve it. At the end of the day, the only thing you'll ever have has been the rhetoric is you have family, which I've, just assumed was how everyone else grew up. You don't know, you know, when you grew up. And so like we had Sunday family dinners. That wasn't a choice. I mean, I loved it, but like, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to have our own dinner. Like on Sunday, the entire family, all my cousins, all my aunts and uncles, like we had hot dogs and it's like a New England, we have like not fancy hot dogs and beans every Sunday, my entire life. Like it was just, that's we had Sunday. And it was just always non-negotiable. Like if I was moving, my cousins just had to help. Like I called my cousin. I was like, you have to take me to Ikea. He's like, I don't want to take you to Ikea. I was like, well, then I'll call grandpa. You're going to take me to Ikea. That's what you do. Like, you have to help me. I'm your cousin. There's no choice. So that's really interesting because I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's true. If you don't, like, we, I have great relationships with my cousins. They're almost like siblings, but we grew up together. And that was part of our family structure that it was just non-negotiable. You show up for your family. You do, like, you just, I guess you could say no, but like, it was ingrained. Right. If at any point you said, okay, well, family isn't actually, that is not my personal priority. Mm-hmm. You say, no, I'm not going to go to all of those. But the, the fact is that that was an ingrained family value, which 
you know, we talk about strategic plans for individuals, but we also clearly have strategic plans for family, family, for our family. Yeah. and then for what does that mean for our business? Right. And so yeah. you can kind of go outward like that. And at that, if you say we, we do this as a family, those relationships and bonds are built and strengthened in those consistent small moments, small moments. that right. Sunday dinner, every Sunday right, dinner. All dinner, that that's really interesting. That was a seen, system. That's a system right that there. That was a system. Yeah, you're right. And I didn't even think about it, which is like every Sunday we went to grandma and grandpa. Everybody went to grandma and grandpa's every Sunday for decades until they right. passed away. And then yes. when they passed away, now we just do birthday parties and holidays. But I, as I've gotten older, what I've realized is that other people don't do that, right? That that isn't. And so now that you're saying it, you're right. It is a system. I would have never recognized it as a system. But I found out now as an adult, like for my husband, so it was his 40th birthday our family birthdays are big deals. Like you get to choose your dinner. Everybody comes and you get a cake. And now we get a little older. We've got, it's like a lot of people. It's 18 people. It's a lot of birthdays. And so now we like, we do birthday months. So like you share, I, I don't share because no one else is born in August, but if I got very lucky, if your birthday month happens to have another person, you share, you can have two, two separate cake. Everybody can have their own cake, but you share. So like my dad shares with uncle Jack, and that is a sour broughton meal because they both like sour broughton. Like you get a, it's very, so my husband now, like he did not grow up like this. This is, they, they don't do anything. So for his 40th birthday, I just assumed his family would fly for his birthday party because it's his 40th. I mean, we do birthdays. Like, and like when it's a big birthday, it's a real big party. Like if it's a regular birthday, it's just your normal dinner and cake. If it's a big party, if it's a big birthday, it's a bigger, you get your own, you don't have to share for those ones. And so his parents were like, oh yeah, we're not coming. And I was like, what? This is his 40th birthday. What do you mean? You're busy. He turns 41 time his entire life. It happens once. And you're busy? And my parents were like, okay, when do we have to fly out there? And I was like, well, you guys can't fly if his parents can't. Like, I mean, you can't like, but my parents were like, it's a birthday. Yeah, we're on a flight. Where do we need to be? What's the dress code? Are we making t-shirts? Is it a week? Is it a weekend? But you're right. That's a system. And I would have never thought about that. And so my intention for my own family is like family is first. Family yes. is the priority because I've grown up with that. And I think that's, and other people might not like it, but for me, that's super important. And that's really interesting because I would have never even thought that that's part of being intentional with your life planning. Right. Because to me, it just happened. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and, the, and the important part that you're at too, that I think we often forget about, especially in our partnerships, is that this is these are two people coming together who have very different backgrounds and experiences and family value sets. And so having those conversations like you're having and being able to say, what do we as this new family yep. want to create? Because you become the matriarch and patriarch, right? You become the ones who are going to be creating that generational hand-me-down of values and systems. And so you have to kind of come together and say, as a family now, what do we want to create for our family and for the people who, you know, our parents and, and how they can interact. And that intentionality, yes, is very important on your own. But when you're creating that for a family, it's so valuable to have that alignment and that connection. Because well, his first impression was like, how many events are there every year? And I was like, oh, well, you know, everyone's birthday is, a, you know, 
I don't make every, I mean, there's 18 birthday parties. It's a lot when you don't live, you know, when we all lived in the same, you know, 10 mile radius, it's super easy. But now that we have adult, like the, the family's grown, right? Grandparents are deceased and like everyone's older and married. Like, you know, we have jobs. We can't make every birthday party, right? It's right, like, right. You do, you do best. And we also have family vacation. I mean, there's a lot. We have the big family vacation that we have my parents' family vacation. I mean, there's a lot. If you sign it up for my family, there's got to be like at least 25 events a year. It's just like every other week. It's so best efforts. But for my husband, he was like, how many events? Like, and there's like, we make t-shirts. It's like the whole thing, you know? So you're hitting on another currency. So Phil and I talk a lot about currencies, especially in lifestyle design. So, you know, there's, there's money as a currency, there's time as a currency. What you're also hitting on though is energetic currency. And so what might feel very, um, filling and fueling to you and feel like it's driving your energy and giving you a lot of a return for him. It might feel like a drain, right? right? And I don't know that to be true, but maybe too many of them or how he is interactive in it might be a drain. And so even right. having that awareness of each other or other people in your life about, okay, what does this do to you? If we have this many parties and we get this extreme, what does this do to your energy? That doesn't mean we don't have to do it. It just means maybe he takes a different role. And I'm, I'm right. more just using your example. We had yeah. the exact same thing. We just kind of pay attention to, is this giving me energy as a currency? Or, is it putting take? Yeah. Right. Is it, is this going in my bank account or is it making that energy come out of my bank account? Yeah. And that is it a yeah, deposit or withdrawal? Right. Exactly. So being able to understand that and see that in ourselves as people and how we're making decisions and then also in each other. And especially when we're making decisions together or making plans together is, is like life-changing, right? Because then it's yeah. not just the currency of money. It's not just the currency of time. It's not just the currency of love, also energy and how we're feeling. Energy. Yeah. That's incredible. Cause you have people come grow, like he grew up completely differently than I did. I didn't know that birthday parties, I, I can't imagine a world where your birthday wasn't the biggest deal for that month. Like I just, Barbara, I, I need to be in your family because I <laughs> get so much smack in my family because I love birthdays and I will celebrate them for a month. So it feels yes. like I need to be transplanted. Into yes. your family. If there's ever time he doesn't want to go, I'm, I'm you, you're on. Okay. Happily jump in. I mean, we just like a good theme, you know? And so like when I ran a marathon, my dad made t-shirts for everybody. So we just really like a good time. Really the oh, family just likes a good time. So it's, it's a, but it's interesting. You're my kind about of family. That. Yeah. You're welcome. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really interesting when you talk about like the various aspects, because I think a lot of people, which is why I wanted to have you on think just about the money intentionality. Like this is one, but it's only one aspect of your life, right? Mm -hmm. There is like the currency of time and joy, right? All the other aspects that you're bringing up. So I think that's so important to like be conscious of it and be intentional. Yeah. Just being intentional. And I always say you just put it in its place right? You, it, I think so often we, at least in a lot of our clients, we see the priority falling to work, career, mm -hmm. business, entrepreneurship, money, right? Yep. We see that priority when they're coming in, there's a lot of priority there. It's not saying that other things aren't on the priority list, family, relationships, travel, mm -hmm. that stuff is all already happening. But once we're getting into the work and we start to get into those values and intentions, people start to realize like, oh, I've just, had my priorities out of whack and I yep. need my career and my work still and my money still is on the list. It mm -hmm. just needs to be put in its place. And yep. then I need to plan around that. So it's, I'm still 
responsible. I'm still respecting it all. And I'm still taking care of those things, but it all needs to work more healthfully together, holistically. Holistic. I say it needs to be more holistic and you need to Yeah. This Chris, this has been incredible. I knew it would be. I'm so excited to have shared your wisdom with our listeners. Where is the best place they can find you and your book and, and connect? Oh, thank you. Um, this has been wonderful. Um, you can find us at owlandkey.co. That's O-W-L-A-N-D-K-E-Y.co, um, not .com. So that's a key difference. No M. And no M. And then, um, you know, usually we're most on Instagram at okay. owl underscore and underscore key. Okay. And, um, you can also find us on the unlocked podcast and Barbara will be on that here soon. So we're excited to, yes. to, to launch that out to our community. Yes, this is wonderful. And we'll share all of that on the show notes as well, just to make it a little easier for everybody. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. This was a joy. Thank you so much for coming on. 